0: What's up, buds? And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream not a desert mirage. it's lord stanley and he is coming
1: to washington welcome back to japer's rink radio i'm your host adam stringham and today i'm happy to be joined by isabel kershoudian of the washington post how you doing isabel
0: Doing pretty well, ready for the playoffs.
1: How are you? I'm doing all right. I mean, really, we're doing this preview just because it worked so well last year in the playoffs. I think I had you on every single round to preview it, and of course, the Caps won every time. So, we're trying to keep the streak going here.
0: I figured it was that. Like, I know you're. Only, I'm only around because I'm good luck, not for actual information. That's okay. I'm no, good with
1: that. It, it wouldn't be, you know, all those awards you've won and everything else. No, no, it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's really just the the good luck. But but seriously, uh, very happy to have you back on. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Capitals, kind of just just broad strokes here. I mean, you had an article that came out on. Uh, Sunday, I believe, kind of previewing the Capitals' upcoming first round uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, kind of, what, what are your kind of first thoughts? I mean, obviously the Caps did really well in the season series, but uh, what, what are you kind of looking to see? And uh, you know, what, what's really standing out to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think of the Caps' kind of options for a first round series. This is this was going to be the one that was really most favorable to them, oh. and you know, you look at the lineups, you look at the goaltending, all of that, and I think, you know, the Caps have a clear edge in talent. Um, I think Carolina plays really hard, and they play a style that kind of makes you work for it, and that's something we saw, you know, in the four regular season games. But at the end of the day, the Caps have a lot more skill, and I think they have better goaltending. Uh, and I think that, you know, in a series that will ultimately win out in this case, um, You know, playoffs are kooky, and, like, who knows? But um, I would definitely give an edge to the Capitals for the fact that, A, they, you know, it's not like they play a bad team game. They play a good team game, Washington does. And um, combined with just their overall talent, I think they would uh, not have an easy time with Carolina. I think it'll be a tough time, but um, I do think they'll win in, like, five or six or something like that.
1: Yeah, Do, do you see any sort of mental advantage i mean we i think last year we talked about you know how do the players get up after you know struggling to get over that hurdle but the capitals now are a team that that's kind of they know what to do to win and this for a lot of players on carolina you know justin williams aside this is their first real uh playoff exposure i mean this is carolina's first time in the playoffs since 2009 um do you think that kind of matters at all or, or no not so much is it really more about the rosters and how the team plays
0: yeah, I I think it could go both ways. You know, it's it's such like a wishy washy answer. But <laughs> I think for the Cavs, they do have like a certain amount of swagger right now, mm-hmm. uh, where they know what they need to do. And you know, really, the first round has never been an issue for them. It's really the second round where you know they would get like all these mental blocks or something. Um, but I, I think they have a, a kind of a unique confidence in them. They're not going to get nervous about. You know, a first-round series with Carolina, but on it, on it, on it. While they're the more experienced team, you know, the Hurricanes they're kind of going into this with nothing to lose. Like, this was this was their goal essentially. I know they're going to say their goal is to win the cup, but for them, like, it's a really big deal to make the playoffs. It's a really good thing for that franchise, and it's a really good building block for the future. And I don't think anybody is expecting them to you know, when more than when even around, like, I think for them, like they've kind of accomplished what they need to accomplish by making it. Um, so they're saying to themselves, Oh, we have nothing to lose. Like we can play free. We have nothing to fear. Like nobody thought like we were going to do more than this anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe there's a freedom in that, that there's literally no expectations there now. Um, whereas the caps, obviously, you know, they're thinking about repeating and, that this is just kind of step one in the process. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, like I said, I think it could go both ways. I do see like a certain level of, you know, like I said, a swagger from the Capitals that I think is going to be really important for them throughout the playoffs.
1: Now, you know, can you tell – you know, I'm curious. Like, Tell me a bit more like, about the swagger. Like, what do you see in the players this year that you didn't see there last year or any of the other years that you've covered the team?
0: Yeah, I just think they're, like, kind of at ease. You know, they've always been a pretty loose group, um, but maybe especially so. They're joking around and practice. You know, I, I think they haven't had those, oh, well, you guys have never made this past the second round questions for, like, a month, you know, leading up to this. There was none of that today. It was, you know, it's, there's a certain ease in that, I think. And then they also kind of know what the formula is to win now um i think you look at this team and especially with some of the steps that certain players have taken and you say okay they're better they're very similar obviously the roster is almost identical but i think they're a better team than they were last year even Mm -hmm. and they know exactly what they have to do to win they know what gave them success and it's just a matter of replicating that and those guys are smart guys and you know unfortunately it took them you know, a decade to kind of put the pieces together. But now that the pieces are together, they know, I feel like they know what to do. Um, So I think that's more what I mean, where we've seen this team, when they need to turn it on, kind of down the stretch especially, they play like a really, really good game, and they can, you know, hang with anybody, and they can beat anybody.
1: Yeah, and they've kind of, you know, those games against Tampa, I'd say, were were some of the best Really, I watched all year, even though the Capitals didn't always come right. out on the right side of it. Um, you know, k- kind of getting back to uh, not not as much a swagger, but just kind of the mentality of the team. Have, have you noticed any real difference between kind of um, Todd Reardon and, and the kind of how the players kind of act around him versus how they would have acted around Barry Tross, or just in kind of the overall team mentality uh, besides kind of that confidence that comes from winning?
0: You know, not really. I think that's something that maybe I would notice more in the room or in meetings or something like that. I mean, from what – like, I'm going to be totally honest with you. From what, like, as a reporter, I see, like, the players are kind of the same. Um, You know, as far as, like, how they react, you know, there's no player that's on the record, like, going to bash the head coach. Yeah. um, Going into the playoffs, there really isn't. But (laughs) – Um and nobody's saying anything bad off the record either. But um you know, I I think from what we see I haven't noticed much of a difference. Um but I think, you know, Reardon is a little bit different as far as kind of A, what he wants to do tactically Mm and some of his philosophies. Obviously the systems are pretty similar, but um, you know, he has some different philosophies and I think he is different in how he deals with players, maybe more on like an individual basis. He's in general, like, you know, very X and and very thoughtful. And he's not going to like be a guy who's going to, you know, come into the room and scream a bunch or whatever. And, you know, I think Barry picked his moments with that too. But, um, Barry also, we saw last year that he was actually like quite good at pushing the right buttons. um, but maybe he had, like, weaknesses in other areas. So, you know, I I think there are differences in personality, I would say, but it's hard for me to kind of see from the outside, you know, how that affects each individual player. Um, But obviously, you know, the results were almost identical. The Caps finished with 105 points last year. The Caps had 104 points this year. They're still atop the Metro. So, yeah, I mean – both are good coaches, and, you know, obviously Todd had a lot to do with their success last year.
1: When you kind of look at guys that, that maybe did better this year or, or, you know, so, or than they did last year, I, I kind of think primarily about, you know, Jacob Vrana and, and Brett Connolly. What do you think really kind of spurred them to kind of take that next step? I mean, for Vrana, some of it might have been aging, but, but what's really stood out to you?
0: Yeah, I think for Verona, this was just like a natural step. You know, his second year in the league, he's got some confidence. Uh, He's playing in a bigger role in general, you know, because he did so well in the playoffs. Um, For Brett Connolly, I think there was a certain comfort with a different coach. Um, I don't think it was a secret that, you know, he and Trotz had their issues at times. Uh, Barry obviously scratched him for most of the playoffs two years ago. And then uh, last year, Conley was a healthy scratch for a handful of games during the regular season, though he did play really well in the playoffs and play all the time. Um, so, you know, Reardon was playing that third line a little bit more. Conley in particular, I think, got like two minutes more per game, mm-hmm. which will make a big difference for a player as far as like feeling into the game. But for Verona, I think it's just him, you know, kind of naturally progressing and figuring things out um, and sort of coming into his own to be the player that kind of everybody thought he was going to be, and I don't think he's done either.
1: Yeah, I mean he's just been really impressive. Um, I mean both of those guys have just had great years. Uh, when you watch kind of Verana, his speed just kind of he just blows by guys, and it uh, it creates a lot of space. And you know it. I don't I don't know if he's Carglin, Carl Haglin like in speed, but it seems like they're they're pretty close. and, and both of them kind of give the Capitals tactical options that i don't think they really have with a lot of other guys on the ice uh will there be kind of that long stretch pass they seem to be doing i don't, I don't know if ollie oops the right word but you know they kind of just loft it up there sometimes and have one of those guys chase um do you kind of think the capitals I like
0: That's yeah. The way I put it. yeah
1: yeah it's uh <laughs> it was a play they they mike green to tomas fleischman i think about 10 years ago did it once and uh Fleishman didn't quite have the legs of either of those two guys, but uh, when it worked out, it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty. Um, so you kind of, if you had to pick kind of a, a Caps player that you think will be a difference maker in, in the playoffs, you know, obviously not Ovechkin, Backstrom, Holpe, uh, or Carlson, but we'll get to Carlson in a second. Uh, who are you going to go with?
0: Yeah, I think it all, at the end of the day, comes back to Kuznetsov. I yeah. mean... He, he's the reason they won last year probably like how good he was how like he can be so dynamic when he's kind of his head's in it you know when you know everything's kind of he's feeling it i guess is the right way to put it um but like we've seen them struggle when he struggled i think the team really does go with him mm-hmm. uh he can be like that important to their success I, you look at the numbers like the games he has, like a point, like the record the Caps have, I think it's pretty close. Um, a really strong correlation, at least. And you know, like I said, I think he was huge for them last year. He's gonna get the Ajo matchup. Uh, the line certainly, you know, putting Hagelin and Oshie with him says they're trying to make Kuznetsov into like the lockdown Aho guy, and it worked in the past two matchups with Carolina. Uh, so you know, he he plays a really big role. Um, and, I, you know, I think by the end of the playoffs, he'll be back up with Ovechkin and Wilson, too. So, yeah, I think he's the guy. He can be inconsistent, but if he goes back to the playoffs, Kuznetsov we saw last year, they're a really, really tough out when he's playing like that because he, he looks like the best player in the world sometimes.
1: If you had to kind of, like, put your finger on one thing that's kind of led to his, uh, you know, mercurial season, uh, what would it be, you know would it would be the injury he had earlier in the year or do you think it's just kind of uh it's hard to get up for those regular season games after having such a monster playoff run
0: yeah I think he's just kind of a mercurial guy yeah. um you know but I think he he's a big game player right like he gets up to play Connor mcdavid I think he gets up to play even like aho you know he's he likes certain matchups he he likes big games we've seen him be pretty good against Tampa um you know I I think he's but yeah he's not a guy who like and and he said it that he doesn't want to work that hard like throughout the whole regular season to be like you know the best player in the world like he wants to have fun and um he doesn't take himself that seriously and you know it probably drives like you know management a little crazy but you know at the end of the day like you kind of have to put up with it if he's going to be your best player in the playoffs. and you know i think they expect him to do that
1: yeah i don't know if most of us could get by with saying that at work right <laughs> coming in and saying just don't want to probably not yeah don't want to put all 100 percent on the line unless it's really the the top minutes um you know the the other kind of guy who's been really Uh, impressive this year really and and i don't really know how it continues to kind of go under the radar is is john carlson uh he keeps putting up points he you know the the advanced metrics were showing him very favorable for most of this year Uh, at one point he was leading the league in um you know in war uh you know goals above replacement all these sort of metrics um but you know i I saw that you would have him pretty high on on your kind of norris voting if the washington post allowed voting and Neil Greenberg said he would be his guy, but why do you think Carlson kind of, you know, when I keep looking at it, it seems like he's not really getting the same level of national attention as a guy like Brett Burns. What do you think is kind of driving that disconnect?
0: Well, I do think Carlson's going to end up finishing higher in the North than Burns will this year. Really? Um, Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, I think Drewie Jano is going to, like, run away with it, but I think Carlson's going to finish, like, second or third. Um, just based on, like, my, like, very inaccurate gauge of, like, PHWA writers who've reached out to me to be like, do you think it's crazy if I vote Carlson second? Uh, to which my answer is no. Um, so I, I think he's starting to get, like, more of that attention, um, especially because, like, that guy is especially a big game player. If you look at his uh, playoff production, especially last year, like, it's always been you're pretty good. And you think back to, like, his World Juniors, you know, how he would play in the Calder Cup, stuff like that. Um, he, he definitely kind of elevates his game too and I think people are starting to notice that but um, you know I don't know like I think with Burns he he puts up like a lot of numbers and he's been doing it maybe for a little bit longer and Carlson's just kind of I would say last year and this year is when he was kind of getting the offensive numbers um, but I also think his defensive game has gotten a lot better and you know it, he's it's really just the last few years that he's put up the kind of minutes that you think about with the Norris guy. Uh, You know, maybe what hurt him was he was playing on a team where the decor was pretty balanced and he wasn't asked to be like a true, true number one um, until really these past few years, like I said, where I think now he is starting to get a little bit more attention, Uh, but he's not just like big personality. Um, So maybe that has something to do with it, too. Like, I think that's her, like, Evgeny Malkin in the past um, with some of the, you know, NHL 100 stuff. Yeah. Um, You know, whether voters mean for that to play a role or not, like, you know, I think they think of guys more who are kind of, like, out there a lot in the media and whatnot, and Carlson's just not, like, super interested in all of that, Um, which I don't blame him, but... Yeah, I I think it's a combination of all those things. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, his defensive game has definitely improved, and that does kind of beg the question: if if the guy is playing so well, why, why, why would you, if you were Todd Reardon, why would you move him to his offside to make room for a guy like Nick Jensen to play on the first pairing with him, or or do you, you know, what what are kind of your overall thoughts, or, or do you think that was just a practice thing?
0: No, no, no! I think that's going to happen for game one. Um, yeah, I, I don't love it. Um, I agree with you. I think, you know, putting your best defenseman in a position he's not totally comfortable in is not ideal. Um, however, I think they're absent a lot of good options um, where we've seen Jensen cannot play his offside. Yeah. Um, you know, he's gotten, you know, just with how the cap system is it's pretty fluid and guys will get caught sometimes on their left and Detroit, like, or, you know, whatever their offside is and Detroit, you know, their system didn't work like that. And so Jensen for him, that's like a really weird and difficult adjustment. Um, and he has struggled with it and he's kind of acknowledged that, but, um, you know, he's not really comfortable being on the left side. Um, whereas Carlson because of how the system is is a little more used to it. Um, you know, I don't think they're ready to trust Christian Juice in the top pairing role. I think they like Juice, you know, with Orpic in a third pairing role where, you know, he can kind of take advantage of the matchups. And in general, like I think Juice and Orpic actually go like pretty well together. Um, but yeah, I there's no, Like I said, there's no real ideal here because um, the ideal is Kempney, yeah. uh, who played really, really well with Carlson, you had all your righties and lefties in the perfect spot. Um, what I think they're going to end up doing is that, you know, there will be some shifts where it's Juice Carlson. There will be sh- some shifts where Carlson Jensen. And I think situationally, especially late in the game when they're defending a lead, like, I think they're gonna go to orpa Carlson a decent amount because they've already kind of started to show that look yeah. um, so I, it's just gonna be a little bit of a mishmash and um, like I said there's no like ideal scenario uh, so it's just kind of like trying to pick what the lesser of all the evils is I guess
1: yeah and, and, and I really do wonder also like how much if any of this kind of mashup has to do with there being a bit less faith in kind of the Orlov-Niskanen pairing to kind of eat minutes like they have in the past. I mean, um, who, who? Like, I guess, which of those two pairings do you even think is going to get the lion's share of the tough minutes? Um, I think the Capitals are kind of in a bit of a tough spot given, uh, in my mind, a pretty tough year for, for the Orlov-Niskanen pairing.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, and I think Orlov and Niskanen know it. I think... Tugger knows it. I think McClellan knows it. I mean, everybody's kind of acknowledged that. However, I do think they've been better uh, down the stretch. Like, those are two guys who played, like, a lot of hard minutes last year and, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe had a little bit too much fun this summer. Um, so, you know, they, they've uh, – Brian McClellan sort of alluded to that today. But, <laughs> you know, they, they definitely, like, had a rough – you know, first half of the season, but I, I've noticed them be better in the second half. Um, I think before Kempney got hurt, kempney Carlson, they were like the top pair, and they'd been the best pair, and they were starting to get those matchups. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I think it is going to be a split, but you you know the, that pair has been so good for you. Matt Niskanen has been so good for you for so long. I know he's this isn't hasn't been his best year, but you kind of have to trust those guys to be gamers, I think. And maybe not, like, quite the level of the matchups and, you know, the, I guess, defensive load they got in years past. But I still think, like, that's the pair you're going to probably end up trusting rather than, you know, two right shots together or, you know, Juice playing, you know, against top lines, which, you know, isn't something they've ever really trusted him to do or, you know whatever like I think at the end of the day Orlov and Iskinen is the most stable thing you have going right now and maybe that's what you gotta go to
1: yeah I think there is definitely something to be said for kind of uh the longevity of those two also as a pairing I don't think it's very often you see guys play together for this long a period of time uh even even with the struggles that they've had this year so um it's definitely going to be kind of interesting to see how it plays out um, isabel I, I do want to get your your you know we it's it's crazy we've gone you know fifteen 20 minutes and haven't really talked about ovechkin at all uh which is kind of surprising you know he's coming off of his you know he uh again he's led the league in goals he's now led the league in goals more than any other player in nhl history um have you know what's kind of stood out to you about kind of his demeanor and, and how he's played this year
0: yeah i think he's in some ways he's been the biggest surprise. You know, he's he played a ton last year. Um you know, short off season. I mean that guy could have like drank himself into a super all summer and we <laughs> were all been like, It's cool, man. You know, like I who was gonna like criticize him? Yeah. Like he finally did it. Uh, but he didn't do all that. He you know, showed up. He looked even better than he did last year and he's played a lot of minutes this year. I think for the Caps like Maybe he played a little too much this year, but, uh, you know, workload-wise. But, you know, he's been really, really good. And McLaughlin said this today, and I agree. Like, this has been some of the most consistent hockey we've seen from him in that maybe there were games he had he wasn't scoring a goal or, you know, he had a little bit of a drought. But, like, I don't remember, like, a string of games where I'm like, God, Eighth has been, like, MIA. You know, like, he – I think he's played – like at a certain level all year it has been pretty steady um so i'm curious to see like how he kind of turns it up even more from that because uh, he has been really good you know he's not he i don't think he's been quite as good defensively as he was in the playoffs but that would have been like really really hard to match for a two games yeah. um so i you know i'm curious to see his level commitment there because i think it was really impressive uh last postseason but so, like, as far as two-way play, this was probably his best regular season in that department, too. Um, so, yeah, to me, this is the best I've seen him that I've covered him. Wow. Um, which is pretty cool because he's 33 years old. Uh, so good for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's kind of defying age right now. And, I mean, uh, you know, a, gen- a generational talent. I mean, we'll probably not see a guy like him again in the NHL, at least not for a long time. Um Isabel, I do want to get a couple quick questions in about the Hurricanes. I mean, you kind of said that they're a scrappy team, um, working hard. But what do you kind of like? You mentioned Sebastian Ajo. Like, what what about him makes him a concern for the Capitals? Um, and what can they do to to shut him down? You already kind of mentioned who they'll use against him, but but like, what will be their overall strategy?
0: Yeah, he's a guy who you know. I think he relies a lot on his speed and kind of like, in a Verona way, where you see him kind of break open and get some open ice, and so it's limiting that. But, you know, for whatever reason, like, he has the Caps number. Mm-hmm. Um, eight goals and nine assists in 12 games. Like, it's... Like, I, I feel like every time I watch, like, Caps Canes, like, that guy scores. Um, so, that's definitely, like, their biggest threat. I mean, that guy alone can be a huge, series changer, and um, I don't think they the difference between the Hurricanes and the Capitals is they don't have a ton of guys like that, you know? You look at the Caps, you're like, oh, TJ Oshie can be a series changer. Al-Sovetsky can be a series changer. Kuznetsov, Varana, you know, for the Hurricanes, it's like, all right, there's Ajo, there's Kervainen, um, maybe Rider and maybe Williams, but, you know, you start to kind of run out of guys eventually. Um, so, really, like, I think that's going to be their number one priority is, kind of limiting him because you're going to feel pretty good about your chances to kind of contain the other guys. I know Caroline is an analytics darling. (laughs) They they put up a lot of shots. They course you well, whatever. But at the end of the day, what shot analytics doesn't kind of account for is skill. and you watch them play, and I think that is still kind of their biggest, you know, detractor, I guess. No, you So that yeah. guy that's the most skilled guy if you contain him you're doing a really good job.
1: You know, it, it the the analytic stuff it, it's pretty funny cuz the capitals year over year overperform kind of those shot-attempt expected metrics and the hurricanes always underperform them and I think you kind of summed it up perfectly and that's the skill. This the skill gap kind of between the individuals involved in producing those shots and um I think I think it's, it's going to be an interesting case like for analytics is it really is that kind of quality versus quantity battle we're going to see here uh in, in Caps canes and um you know you mentioned kind of limiting the opponent's best player and and it kind of makes me think of what the Capitals did well uh when they were successful both last both last year rather and, and what they almost did against Pittsburgh the year before Uh, where they were able to really neutralize the Penguins' top line. Obviously, they did that a lot better two years ago than last year. But, um, you know, as you said, the Capitals' kind of overall depth should be really helpful. Um, You know, you already talked about Connolly, but when you kind of talk about depth and you look at the Capitals' bottom six, is there anybody else that kind of jumps out to you with the real potential to make a difference?
0: Yes, you know, Havlin's technically playing on the second line here, but, you know, I... Hagelin's a guy I've been so impressed with him and how good of a fit that's been. Um, Just from what he can do on the penalty kill. um, It's just every time he's on the ice, you kind of, your eyes dart to him because his feet are always moving. You know, I was talking to Verana about him today and if there's something, obviously they have similar skill sets with their speed, but, you know, it was like, is there something about his game that you really like? And he was like, I feel like he's like using a speed, like uh, even when he's just like in the zone, it's not even like a breakaway. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like so fast all the time. Um, so, you know, I think Hagelin's like a big one, but Lars Eller was an amazing playoff player, you know, last year. It really, to me, it's going to come down to that third line. Yeah. Um, they've had a really yeah. good second half. They were not awesome in the first half of the season. Uh, but they've been excellent lately and they're going to have Verana there for at least game one, it seems like. So, you know, if that line can, I could see that being kind of the Caps version of like HBK of a couple of years ago with Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. we have like two 20 plus goal scorers and Laura Zeller, who we know kind of gets up for the playoffs and we've seen what kind of a playoff player he can be. Um, I think that one is going to be really big in this series.
1: Yeah, the third line's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, you know, Eller has the great kind of claim to fame last year of scoring the Capitals' first game-winning goal, that, that overtime or triple overtime game in Columbus, and then uh, double, you know, overtime. double overtime, and then the eventual Stanley Cup clincher. So he, he definitely is another one of those guys that has gotten up for big games in the past. So, um, Isabel, this is my last question for you. Uh, the Capitals' power play has... I don't know if slumping's been the right word, but they just haven't really. You know, I don't think they're quite putting the fear of God in any of these teams recently. <laughs> um, you know, it seems like I'm not quite sure where the penalty kills have have, have changed their perspective. Uh, to, to me, it looks like the Oshi spot isn't isn't quite generating the same level of threat as it has in years past. But um, what if anything do you think the Capitals are going to do to try to get that power play? really clicking here in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, if I could tell you the number of times like I get a tweet saying, like, kill the slingshot. <laughs> um, no, I, I. you know, the first of all, the Hurricanes have a really good penalty kill, and I think their penalty kill has actually done a really nice job on the Capitals in these four games. Yeah. Um, it's actually, like, an area I would give them an edge um, in this series. Uh, but, yeah, I it has not looked quite right really all year. I mean, it's had like some good stretches. Um, but otherwise, you know, I, I for whatever reason, it's just been like kind of a weird year for the power play. Um, where, you know, if you're not scoring, but you're getting some like zone time and you look dangerous. Like maybe you kind of feel better about it. I yeah. think like lately it's just like, they can't even like really get anything established. Um, it just looks like really odd. Um, so, you know, how do they fix that? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think it really for them. It like comes down to like zone entries. I think you're right that um, the Oshi spot's not really doing a whole lot this year. It's not just Oshi; it's like the oh, Wilson yeah. spot too on the second. But um, yeah, it's you know, I think if Kuznetsov uh, would shoot a little bit more from his spot. Maybe that frees up Ovechkin a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think like right now, if you really cover up Ovi and it seems like Ovi hasn't liked Carlson's pass to him in like a little while here, yeah. um, then you're kind of like taking, you know, usually if that power play is going well, you know, they'll find another way to score. But lately it just, that's kind of like stunted them. Um, so see, I, you know, I liked it earlier in the year where Kuznetsov had like five power play goals and, you know, that's kind of freed up Ovi later. Uh, now he's kind of gone away from shooting quite as much. But for them, you know, it's if they can get the zone, they're usually okay. They're okay at keeping it. They're okay at getting their chances, whatever. It's just this year it feels like the zone entries especially have like kind of been a problem.
1: Yeah, it feels like they can never quite get even if they get in the zone, it's almost as if they're always under pressure and never quite able to get that kind of established formation. And I hadn't really thought about it, but after you mentioned kind of Ovechkin not loving Carlson's passes, in my mind I'm seeing all of these. Well, Carlson passes it to him, and he catches it, and then throws it back to Carlson. So
0: exactly, he's been doing that like a, a lot lately. Like I think he hasn't liked something about it. I mean, and then Carlson, like you know, you do that so many times. Carlson's naturally going to be like. Uh, maybe I shouldn't pass it to him. Like, you know, like you're going to like, seriously, like as a player, you're going to start thinking twice, which is like a little natural. So, you know, it's just, it seems like they're all like a little disjointed for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I wish it was happening like a, a couple months earlier than it has happened. Cause I feel like it's been worse recently, but, um, you know, capitals in the past have, have shown an ability to kind of put some wrinkles into the power play. Um, you know, during the playoffs, even before, you know, we, we've seen them run the Ovechkin-Carlson switch quite a few times, and uh, maybe yeah. maybe this is all part of their plan, right? They're going to kind of show this new look uh, to the power play, and they've been saving it for the playoffs just to make sure that the other teams can't read up on it. I think that's the overly optimistic point of view, but, hey, we'll see. This
0: is all a long con.
1: Uh, hey, they're uh, <laughs> one team, one goal, and this, was, this has been their goal, so... <laughs> we'll see what game one has to bring. I mean, if they're going to move Carlson to the left side, who knows what's coming next. So,
0: uh,
1: (laughs) Isabel, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've got a lot on your plate, so thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it.
1: Um, Isabel, why don't you give everyone, I mean, I I, I would be shocked if any of the people that listen to this podcast don't already follow you on Twitter, but just in case, why don't you uh, give it a quick shout?
0: Yeah, it's at ikrshudian, I-K-H-U-R-S-H-U-D-Y-A-N, and my articles and such are on uh, WashingtonPost.com slash
1: Thanks again to Isabel Kershutian for coming on this episode of J.Persink Radio. I hope you guys all stick with us for continued coverage throughout the Capitol's quest to go back to back.